T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice. Yes. KMOX. We do welcome you into another edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us starting about an hour later than we normally do. Had the uh, coaches show tonight. Tom Ackerman pinch hitting for uh, Bob Ramsey. Did a nice job on that. That was a fun show for the last uh, hour or so. And uh, here we are taking you till the next hour, uh, through the next hour until 8 o'clock uh, tonight. We've got a lot to get to, including uh, some breaking news today regarding uh, the Cardinals. Uh, also, uh, I'll tell you this, the kind of the show rundown for just our one single hour today. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, he's going to join us in our next segment. We'll go back through the NFL weekend with him, and then we'll hear uh, some of the comments from Blues coach Craig Berube. He spoke with the media earlier today. They're back at tomorrow when they take on Buffalo. There could be two core members of the team back on the ice who have been dealing with injuries. So more on that uh, coming up uh, later on. As always, if you want to chime in with me, you can do so, especially on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And uh, just uh, tweet at me and we'll get to those as we uh, go through uh, the course of uh, this program and every program. Want to get to a couple Cardinals things. Uh, First off, the breaking news of the day, uh, as originally reported by The Athletic, the Cardinals have a new television voice to replace Dan McLaughlin, who stepped down uh, following his drunken driving arrest. And nobody was expecting the Cardinals to have this broadcast opening, and they had to work relatively quickly. But it looks uh, they, they're bringing in a high-profile broadcaster, to be sure, and someone with a very familiar last name to St. Louis sports fans as the report from the athletics says that longtime Atlanta Braves TV broadcaster Chip Carey is going to be leaving his position with Bally Sports South and he is now going to be joining the team at Bally Sports Midwest serving as the lead play-by-play broadcaster uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, Carey's grandfather Harry Carey was a longtime St. Louis broadcaster, including uh, broadcasting the Cardinals and doing uh, many other things. His father, Skip Carey, was uh, the voice of the St. Louis Hawks, worked here at KMOX, uh, went with the Hawks to Atlanta, and that's where kind of the Atlanta ties uh, for the Carey family really got started. Of course, Harry Carey went to uh, the Cubs after leaving St. Louis, but now uh, Chip Carey is the new TV broadcaster, according to this report, uh, For and that's... It's going to be different. It's going to be different not having Dan McLaughlin. I think the Cardinals did a really good job bringing in somebody that Cardinals fans are going to be very comfortable with, 
somebody who's got ties to St. Louis, uh, both where where he was born, in addition to just obviously the the family lineage, and it just feels like a fit. Um, yeah, it feels like a fit, and it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be fun to just see and, and hear what it's going to be like for, for somebody like the... And you know what? That says a lot, by the way. Like, the Atlanta Braves, much like the St. Louis Cardinals, have a huge footprint. I mean, the Braves, while the Cardinals are, are kind of the team of the Midwest, the Braves are largely the team of the South. And, you know, there's that kind of like that crossover area as you get down into uh, as you get down into Tennessee. Uh, but they, they've got a regional footprint just the same way the Cardinals have a regional footprint. The Atlanta Braves TV job is a is a top top five top five TV job probably in Major League Baseball. It's certainly top eight, ten, top eight. I I, I would stand by top five. That's a the Braves job is a really 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 good TV job, and it just tells you the stature of the St. Louis Cardinals, what it means to be a broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals. That uh, that. Chip Carey is leaving the Atlanta Braves and uh, joining the Cardinals. Again, this is yet to be confirmed by Bally Sports Midwest and by the Cardinals, but uh, the Athletic had it right now. All indications are that this is indeed uh, going to happen. So clearly that's pretty big news for uh, for St. Louis Cardinals fans. The other thing I wanted to get into, and we're going to talk about this a lot, obviously, on tomorrow's show, because tomorrow is the day that the announcement is made if anybody has been selected for induction for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland would appear to be the most likely candidate to get in. Uh, there's also the, probably number two on that list is Todd Helton. For me, I think both those guys are Hall of Famers. I don't understand how we got here with Roland that it is becoming not as easy as it should be. You know, Kevin Wheeler and I were having a discussion about this. Roland is a top five defensive third baseman of all time. And he's he's really a like a, a top ten, maybe top twelve, but I think you can make the argument top ten, top ten offensive third baseman of all time. That's the, you know, we never talk about his offense. Anytime we start to defend Scott Rowland in terms of his Hall of Fame candidacy, we always go to his defense, and rightfully so. His defense on its own should pretty much put him in the Hall of Fame. But let's not forget, this is a guy who hit 316 home runs over the course of of his career, a career 280 hitter, a career 855 OPS. I mean, these are these are good offensive numbers over a long career. Broke into the big leagues in 1996 and played all the way through 2012. Uh, was a was a rookie of the year. Had m- multiple top 20 finishes in the MVP, multiple top 15s. Came up fourth uh, in MVP voting uh, back in 2004. That was the year where he hit 34 home runs at 124 RBIs. All-star year after year after year. I mean, this guy, this guy's a Hall of Famer. This guy's a Hall of Famer. And for whatever reason, there is a contingent of Hall of Fame voters who do not put him in. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, I see baseball writers who I really respect sometimes leave Scott Rowland out 
people I have interviewed on this station. I'm not one to call people out by individuals. I think that's kind of by individual name. I think that's kind of petty, but I've been a little bit disappointed in seeing some of the people who have not voted for Roland. There's a group of people on Twitter who kind of do a running count of the Hall of Fame ballots that are made public. And not every writer makes their ballot public. Um, generally, the people who do not make their ballots public are not voting for a lot of the people that everybody else is voting for, and they don't make it public because they don't want to deal with the backlash to it. So generally speaking, most players have about a 5% decrease from the public ballots to the actual ballot. And Roland is sitting right around 80%. So he's going to be right there on the line. We can say the same thing about Todd Helton. Again, I think Helton's a Hall of Famer. I can't believe that Roland and Helton are basically coming in at about the same spot in terms of percentage. I did see uh, Derek Gould unveiled his, uh, his Hall of Fame ballot on social media. He, as you would expect, did have Scott Roland in there. So we'll find out tomorrow. I feel good about it. Like the, the proverbial gun to the head, if I had to guess one direction or the other, which way it's going to go, I would guess that we are going to see Scott Rowland get inducted or get selected for induction for the Hall of Fame when we get the announcement tomorrow. It's just, it's wild that it's this close. It should not. It should not be this close. And I don't get it. I, there's a lot of things about the Hall of Fame voting process that I don't get. I'm not a writer. I'm not in the Baseball Writers Association. I don't get a vote. I'm never going to get a vote. I am a, I was about to say neutral observer. I'm not neutral. I'm an observer. I'm an outside observer. I'm a third-party observer. Uh, but Scott Rowland should be a Hall of Famer. And hopefully, as we're doing this show tomorrow, we can talk about him being a Hall of Famer. But we'll have to uh, certainly wait and see. So that's your Cardinals news of the day. There's a lot going on. Chip Carey, reportedly the new TV voice of the Cardinals, of course, the radio voices will stay the same here on KMOX with uh, John Rooney and Ricky Horton and Mike Claiborne uh, taking you uh, through the course of the 162-game season. But the new uh, TV voice expected to be officially official at some point in the relatively near future. Chip Carey has reportedly uh, taken that job and uh, look forward to uh, welcoming him in as a new uh, broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals for him to become the third Carey to broadcast in St. Louis, which is pretty cool. All right, uh, when we come back, we are set to talk some NFL football. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports will go back through the weekend with us. That's next. This is Sports Open Line. I'm Matt Pauley on KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Double Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. As we continue on, just a one-hour program tonight. We take you till 8 o'clock. We uh, got on a little bit late this evening after uh, the St. Louis University Basketball Coaches Show. That comes your way on Monday nights from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock here on KMOX. It was a pretty solid weekend of NFL football. Certainly uh, from a storyline perspective, it was absolutely fantastic. And now uh, one of the best days in sports this upcoming Sunday. I always say it's two Super Bowl caliber games without everything that sometimes goes into the Super Bowl where you have the distractions. I always uh, love the uh, the championship uh, conference championship Sunday, and uh, we get there after a very solid day or a very solid weekend of divisional round action, and uh, very happy to welcome onto the program to uh, wrap up everything that went on this weekend. He is uh, Jeff Kerr. You follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Kerr CBS. He uh, covers and writes about the NFL for CBS Sports. You also hear him uh, in the the Atlantic City area on 97.3 ESPN, and he's part of uh, the uh, Jacob Sports Group uh, in the Philadelphia area as well. They do a lot of media stuff, and he joins us uh, right now on the program. Jeff, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us. How are you? Hey, Matt, doing pretty good. Um, didn't expect uh, the Eagles to be this far in the season back in August, but had pretty high hopes for this team, so you know, just enjoying the weekend so far. Yeah, really wanted to start with you on the Eagles since you are in Philadelphia. They they just roll over the Giants on uh, on Saturday night, uh, thirty eight to seven. You alluded to it. I feel like now maybe you don't get this sense because you're right in the middle of it. But but I'm sitting here in St. Louis, Missouri. It just it feels like people still don't believe in the Eagles, but they just had a fourteen win season and they're rolling through the playoffs. Like it just they're a really good team, and it feels like a lot of people still don't believe in them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I don't think they get the respect um, that maybe the national media does. And, and again, I, I'm a, I'm a national media guy. I cover the NFL for CBS. I hear it all the time. It's well, you know, the, the Giants are the red hot team, and I'm like, really, really a team that's three five and one in their last nine's red hot is. Is that the narrative we're pushing here? I, I just think the Eagles have been so good throughout the season. They kind of just got forgotten about. They went off to that big start, 8-0, and then they lost to Washington. And I, I, I think people were like, okay, they're, you know, you know there's a weakness in there. Well, there really wasn't a weakness because they cruised to a 13-1 start. And I think everybody was just trying to find the hot teams, you know, the, the 49ers. You know, who can challenge them? The 49ers, the Cowboys, and – uh, obviously, Dallas is knocked out now, but we're going to get the NFC title game that I think we've been anticipating since probably November in the Eagles and the 49ers. There's the two best teams in the NFC. Uh, I feel both are deserving to be there. Both are deserving to go to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be a great matchup this weekend. Does Jalen Hurts get the credit that he deserves for the many different ways he's able to impact a football game? I, I say he does. I think he is part of that group you know, that top five quarterback group, I think he's gotten that respect this year. But I think too many people took Micah Parsons' words into account that he was a system quarterback. Well, no, he is the system. And by the way, since Micah Parsons has said that, Dallas has lost three games. They, they, they've been two and three since he made those comments. And, you know, to, to me, Matt, I just feel Jalen Hurts has made such an impact on this football team with his arm, his legs, his leadership ability. His leadership ability is second to none, by the way. I, I, I know that that gets overstated a lot, but I've been hearing this guy talk for three years now. He just has that it factor in him. He has that Joe Burrow, that Patrick Mahomes uh, factor in him. You can even say Josh Allen to an extent. He's part of that 
conundrum. He really does deserve the credit he's getting. I, I think too many people discourage the passing touchdowns. Well, he also had 13 rushing touchdowns, right? You know, he, had thir- he has 38 total touchdowns in the 16 games he's played, and the Eagles are 15-1 and one in that. And as a matter of fact, they're 18-2 and two in the last 20 games he's played, in, including the playoffs. So, I, I mean, I do think Jalen Hurts gets that credit, but I think a lot of people like to go, yeah, but the Eagles are really good, and I don't think that's fair to him. I had somebody uh, on from Football Outsiders a few months ago, and I asked him what coach in the NFL is best at using data and analytics and things like that, where football still is a little bit behind some other sports, and the first person they mentioned was Nick Sirianni. So uh, to to that point, and also from an organizational standpoint, how how many intelligent like decision makers are inside of that organization that are allowing them to have uh, you know as, as much of an opportunity to be successful as possible? I'll tell you what, Matt. More than I can count, I'll say that. I know the Eagles got a bunch of guys in there. They've always been a kind of the forefront of the analytics department. And I think that's because of Howie Roseman. You know, he used to get criticized in Philadelphia for not being a football guy. Well, not being a football guy is something that. Howie Roseman has rallied around. He's kept receipts. And honestly, I think the fan base embraces it now that he's that he was, quote, unquote, not a football guy, that he's a guy who can tear a roster down and build it back up and make it even better. And you know, it just seems like every, there are some seasons where every time Howie Roseman makes a decision, it turns to gold. Like 2017, he signed Patrick Robinson. He signed Chris Long. He signed Alshon Jeffrey, guys like that, Tory Smith. And they helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Now this year, he's signing, like, bonafide stars. Like, Hassan Reddick, he got for $15 million a year. James Bradbury he gets for $10 million. Guys like that, impact players on this. A.J. Brown, uh, another one. It, it, yeah, and again, I think the Eagles know how to win in today's NFL. It's generate a dominant pass rush, have a quarterback who doesn't turn the football over, and have electric receivers. And I, I just think that that is oh, – oh, dominate in the trenches too, uh, which is which they've done for 20-plus years now. So – and I just think the Eagles know the formula to winning. They just have to find the right players for it. And Howie Roseman did that this year. Let's stick in the NFC. 49ers beat the Cowboys. Niners will match up against the Eagles. In many ways, the Cowboys losing is a bigger story than the 49ers winning, just the way uh, that game ended up going down. What was your takeaway? on? I'm watching that game. When they were down four late before San Francisco got the late touchdown or late uh, field goal, all I could think to myself was they're down four and they had an extra point blocked and they didn't go for a field goal at one point because they didn't have trust in Mahar. And then they ended up turning the ball over later on in that drive. And there's your four points right there. It just, it, it always feels like it's something with the Cowboys and they played, tried to do that funky thing at the end of the game. Lord knows what was going on there. It just feels like they're always getting their own way. Yeah, they make mistakes every single year. And it actually masks how bad Dak Prescott played because he did not have a good game either. And you're right, Matt. It's always something with them, it, where it's Mike McCarthy and his clock management. By the way, Mike McCarthy clock management one-on-one was a full display yesterday. Take it 30 seconds to punt when you're down seven. Yeah. Never understood that one. Uh, Dalton Schultz not knowing how to get out of balance and then doesn't drag his feet to make sure. Uh, by the way, Dalton Schultz was open the punch yesterday. I don't know if Dak Prescott just couldn't see him or th- that wasn't the game plan. I-, I still don't know what's going on with Dallas, but it does feel like this clock is ticking for Jerry Jones. I'm not talking about – I hate that, you know, it just feels like a mortality clock is ticking, right? Like Jerry Jones knows he may not have that much time left on this earth, and I don't think he knows what to do to get this team 
over the hump. And I, I think there's there may be a solution, but I don't think he wants to do it. And that's get rid of Dak Prescott because he put all his eggs in the Dak Prescott basket. And he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And I think Jerry Jones is finally getting that sense of reality. Like, you know what? Maybe this guy isn't the guy. Maybe I paid the wrong guy. McCarthy, in all likelihood, will be back next year. We know he is a good offensive coach, but at the same time, the clock management stuff, I mean, this goes back to his time in Green Bay. It's, it's, a, it's never been a strength of his. Should the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, whoever else in that organization that makes decisions, should they be forcing something on him to bring in somebody who can really help out with the clock management issues? I, I think you got to do something. I mean, because Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn certainly aren't helping him out with that. I, I don't, you know, I don't think any any of any of the other coaches are. So yeah, I think he's got to bring in somebody to help out. But here's the thing: it, it's weird, right? Because I think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. I mean, obviously he gets Dallas. They did have a good year. I mean, they went twelve and five, and you know, I didn't think they were going to go twelve and five this year. I thought they'd take a step back, and they were able to win games with Cooper Rush. And, but again, it was the same old story with the Cowboys: just fade at the end of the season and. But by the time the postseason comes, they, they just don't feel like they're that Super Bowl contender that they are in September and October. doesn't matter who their coach is. But, yeah, I, Mike McCarthy's got to do something. I mean, it does look like his job's safe. It's, it's hard to justify getting rid of him, but Jerry Jones has every reason to. I just think he doesn't know what to do. I, I mean, quite honestly. I, I mean, they're like the Bills right now. Where do you go from here? But at least the Bills could say, we got Josh Allen. We got one of the top five quarterbacks in the game. I don't, the Cowboys can't say that. They, they have a guy who's been there seven years, and he just doesn't seem to be getting any better. In fact, he's gotten worse. So I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think Jerry does. The Niners are a great story. They've got a, a fantastic defense. They're on their third quarterback, a guy that most people had never even heard of before this season uh, got started. And he, he's not winning you games, but he's not losing you games. He's doing what he needs to do to, to help others make plays. You could just tell, even like his post-game interview yesterday, you could tell that he has the respect of his teammates. And here they are, the 49ers, continuing to make noise in the playoffs. I love the Brock Purdy story. Again, maybe this is just me being in Philadelphia. I'm trying to find, okay, how's this 49ers team going to beat the Eagles? I always try to find ways like a team can beat another team. And I've been doing that with the 49ers over the last several weeks. And people in California don't want to hear it. I, I, I watch them every week. I, I love watching Christian McCaffrey. I love watching Debra Shane. I love watching Kyle Shanahan coach. Puts Brock Purdy in the best possible position to win. But I've been saying for weeks, let's see what happens when he faces a pressure like the Cowboys pass rush or the Eagles pass rush. Dallas gave me all the answers to the test. He was three for 11 for 24 yards against the Cowboys facing pressure. He's never had to face pressure like that. And they got him off the spot, and he was lucky he didn't throw a couple of interceptions yesterday, just like he was against Seattle. So when is that clock going to strike midnight? Now you're going to be facing a pass rush with 75 sacks who just seems to dominate everybody every week now. I mean, I never expected Eagles pass rush to be as good as they were this year. And I thought they were going to be good back in August, but not 75 sack good. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Shanahan handles that, how he can get the ball to his skill. Maybe San Francisco will run the ball all day next week. Who knows? I mean, they can certainly do it with Diva Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. But that 49ers team, I love the way they're coached. I love D'Amico Ryan's defense. Been a fan of D'Amico Ryan's for years. Happy to see what he's doing there and, I'm glad the world got to see how good Fred Werner actually is as a linebacker. That guy's a stud. 
Let's jump over to the AFC. KMOX is the home of uh, the Chiefs here in St. Louis, and uh, they hold off the Jaguars 27-20, to but Patrick Mahomes has the high ankle sprain. How concerned are you about that? Generally, that's a pretty big injury. Yeah, it is. It's usually a multiple-week injury. I mean, I, I think it definitely takes some of the luster off Chiefs-Bengals, but and probably will make me think the Bengals are going to win this game, but I said on um, Kansas City uh, Sports Radio 810 this morning, if Patrick Mahomes finds a way to pull this off. This is going to be the that aha moment. You know, like, there's nothing you could do to beat me. Because this is a team that has owned Kansas City in the last three years. And now he's playing on a high ankle sprain. Can't do what he normally can do, extend the play and move outside the pocket and create plays with his feet and his arm. But if he can stand in the pocket, and his offensive line can protect him and get the ball to where he needs to go, which he can do. Oh, man, that would be such a great story for Patrick Mahomes and his legacy with the Chiefs. I'm concerned about it, no doubt, just from watching that game Saturday. But I've learned over the years. I know Cincinnati has beaten them three straight times, but I I know as someone from Philadelphia, you never doubt Andy Reid and you never doubt Patrick Mahomes. That's a dangerous combination as long as it's – as long as Patrick Mahomes is on the field, the Chiefs got shot. You mentioned the Bengals. They beat the Bills 27-10. Let's start with Buffalo, though, on this. Is is this something where there are some flaws inside of this team, or is it more when it comes to Buffalo, the emotional letdown of what happened uh, following that Monday night game with DeMar Hamlin, and they never recovered? I mean, it just it, you watched that game, and you were trying to figure out how in the world uh, Buffalo wasn't doing more against Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both, actually. So, with the Bills, I mean, how can you not be shell-shocked by what happened with DeMar Hamlin? And they didn't play well in any of the games since the DeMar Hamlin thing. You know, the Patriots game, they they wrote off emotion. The Dolphins game, they didn't play well at all. But I thought, okay, they survived that. Now they get to play Cincinnati. And Cincinnati doesn't have three of their starting five offensive linemen. Oh, maybe the Bills pass rush could get to him, even though they struggled the past seven weeks. No, my eyes deceive me. My my heart deceived me in that. I, I thought maybe Buffalo's pass rush would get there. Nope, still sucks without Von Miller. They still can't run the football as well with unless Josh Allen's running it. Uh, you know, the, their offensive line is as good as people make it out to be. It's a very flashy team. It's a very talented team. They got a lot of stars, but they also got a lot of holes. Uh, you can tell with the offensive line. You can tell with the pass rush. They got to go back to square one that there also they have to stop letting josh allen carry this football team josh allen just carries this football team way too much and he wins football games for them way too much they should not have to rely on him as much as they do i think that's where all the josh allen turnovers come in and sean mcdermott's got to have a head-to-head talk a heart-to-heart sorry heart-to-heart talk he's got to have that with himself look what do i got to do here how can i improve as a coach because last year was your year to beat the chiefs and you lost to him Bottom line, you straight up lost to them with the 13 to second thing. Now this year you're getting blown out by Cincinnati, who you were 13 and one at home. You had anything you wanted. Man, I, I'm really curious to see what the Bills do this offseason. Just a couple more moments with uh, Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports as he continues to uh, join us here on Sports Open Line on, on KMOX. 
the Bengals really seem to take joy in not allowing the neutral site game. Joe Burrow just oozes superstar right now in the NFL. Like everything about the Bengals, and I know how far they got last year, obviously, but it still felt like a lot of people were dismissing them. And to me, that win, that moment, kind of was their coming out party where they were saying, "We are an elite team in the National Football League." Oh, I agree. I, I, you know, that was the most impressive win of the weekend, and and that account, that counts what the Eagles did to the Giants because I didn't think Cincinnati was going to be able to do that to them with their offensive line and their inability to run the football, and they just pound the football down their throats. I do. Lou Amarillo had a great defense, but man, did they have a great game plan for shutting down uh, Buffalo? And and again, I think a lot of that has to do with Buffalo and their struggles running the football and with their offensive line. They they just weren't as good as we thought they were, and. Cincinnati is. Cincinnati's a really good team. They're probably the best team in the NFC. I mean, in the AFC, one to fifty-three. But now comes the next question for them. They play this underdog card perfectly. No one believes in us. We're going to shock the world. We're going to shut people up. Well, now what happens when you got when you're playing a team you beat all the time and you own? Now what? You know, you can't say no one believes in you anymore. A lot of people expect Cincinnati to win that game against Kansas City because of the Mahomes high ankle sprain, and they seem to dominate them in fourth quarters. I'm really curious to see what happens this weekend, but you can't doubt Joe Burrow. You can't doubt Zach Taylor and that team anymore. Uh, Joe Burrow's a stud. There's a lot of really good players on that football team. It's you know it's time to give Cincinnati the respect they deserve, including myself. And, and I said this last week. If I had to rank the eight divisional teams, I put them six, six out of eight. And like I said, they could be number one easily. But that offensive line is a concern, and I'm I'm a big believer in the trenches. Hats off to Cincinnati and what they were able to do this weekend. He is Jeff Kerr. You read him at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr CBS. Great stuff. I know you're super busy. Thank you for being so gracious with your time, and hopefully we can catch up again real soon. No, Matt, it's the best time of the year. I always have time for this stuff, man. Jeff Kerr joining us here on Sports Open Line on KMOX, and we appreciate him taking some uh, time with us to really break down all things going on in the NFL. Jeff is one of my favorite NFL people to uh, talk to. Very passionate about uh, the Eagles and what's going on in Philadelphia, but from a national standpoint, certainly can talk everything going on in the league, and uh, he's certainly someone I uh, enjoy being able to uh, bring to you. All right, we'll take a break. We've got a lot more to go here uh, in the next uh, 20 minutes or so before we wrap things up for the day. This is Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Sports Open Line does it continue here on a Monday night on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you ever miss anything or maybe you can't catch something live, you can always catch the podcast version of this program. It is available at KMOX.com, also on the Odyssey app. And maybe you want to chime in on something that I'm saying, but you're not listening live. Just uh, tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, and uh, we can continue the conversation right there. St. Louis Blues Hockey, they're coming off a loss against the Blackhawks on Saturday by a 5-3 score. After uh, a couple days off, they'll return to action tomorrow 
tomorrow when they take on Buffalo. That's going to wrap up this long homestand that they're currently on. They did practice earlier today. Head coach Craig Berube met with the media. First thing he did was give a uh, really a long injury update, and it all started with the news on Pavel Buchnevich as his status for tomorrow's game very much up in the air. Not sure yet. So, I mean, I will not know till later today. So is this something you did in the last game? No, I know. It's um, an issue from before. So, yeah. You feel like it's been affecting his play? Uh, Lately? You I think mean, he's not? Well, no, I'm just curious. No, I don't think it's affecting his play. It, uh, upper or lower? Lower. Tarasenko and Krug, are they they're, ready to go? They're, yeah, I mean, I don't know yet, but I think so. I mean, they practice today full again, which is good. Get Kruger getting another one in there. Vladdy's been with us, and um, they both seem good. But, uh, you know, kind of wait and see. Is that just a matter of them telling you green light? Yeah. Bortuzzo's still a little bit away? Or? Um, getting close. I don't think he's too far away. Um, again, he participated today, full practice, so uh, I don't see any issues with it right now. But um, I, I think he needs more practice, though. Has Brown got enough work where he, you know, he's uh, well, I yes and no. I, I you know I would like him to get some more work and practice with us, but um, I'm not sure. You know, if we have that opportunity, we'll see. We might need him tomorrow, so. Krug and Tarasenko, is that surprising to you? I mean, their timelines were a lot longer than I think they're, they're kind of projected for if it's tomorrow. Um, well, I think sometimes, you know, you, you put a timeline on things, but, <clears throat> you know, it, it depends on each guy, right, individual, how he heals and how he's feeling. So it's good that they're back sooner than later. So some good news and some bad news in there. The good news, it would appear that Vladimir Tarasenko and Tori Krug are likely to play in tomorrow's game. But uh, when you read between the lines, it really feels like we won't see Butchnevich tomorrow as he continues to deal with that uh, lower body injury. Obviously, it's been an up-and-down season for the Blues. thought it was interesting. Uh, Barubi talked a little bit about kind of where they are currently at. Because when you look at the standings, they are just on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff uh, picture. Right now, uh, when you look at the Western Conference wild card, the final wild card is being held by the Colorado Avalanche. They have 53 points. The Blues are four points behind at 49. They've also played two more games than the Avalanche, so that's not great. But if they go on a good run here between now and the end of the season, they very much still can get into uh, the playoffs. Uh, but uh, Barubi pretty much admitted that this team is still in many ways kind of trying to uh, dig out of a hole that they put themselves in earlier. You look back and eight-game losing streak, that's tough. It's hard. It's, you know, that's a tough recovery, you know, from. Um, <clears throat> but I think you know, what are we, 11, 6, and 3 in our last 19? That's not a bad record. Now, at home here, I wish, you know, we should have two more wins here at home and make a big difference. But um, listen, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on tomorrow's game. That's the one we got to win. And then we'll go on the road and, and go from there. We mentioned their last game was against Chicago on Saturday. That was a disappointing loss. Chicago's not very good. Uh, they, they've been playing some pretty good hockey. They had won four of six going into that contest on Saturday. So a 5-3 loss, not what they were looking for. Uh, they were able to take the day off completely on Sunday before getting back to practice earlier today. And Barubi was clearly happy that he was able to give the team a 
day off. It was a good day for them to get a day off, and I like practice today. It's uh, similar to the one we had the other day before the Nashville game, so we, we need a solid effort tomorrow. It's the Blues and Buffalo coming up tomorrow night at the Enterprise Center. That's going to be a 7 o'clock puck drop, and that's going to end a seven-game homestand for the Blues, and then they're going to head west for a few games starting on Thursday. They'll match up against Arizona, Colorado, and Winnipeg after tomorrow's game. They will not play another home game until February 11th as they've got uh, a long break in there as well. Teams get uh, some time off during the season and uh, for the Blues after they play in Winnipeg on January 30th, they are not going to play another game until February 11th. We'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. We've had a busy hour. Had a great conversation with Jeff Kerr talking all things NFL football earlier this hour. Also heard from uh, Blues coach Craig Berube and some of his uh, comments after practice from earlier today. Looking likely that we are going to see both Vladimir Tarasenko and Tori Krug back on the ice tomorrow night for the Blues. So obviously that is uh, very, very good news. And hopefully that indeed does come to fruition. We started off the show with Cardinals news of the day in that uh, the reports are that Chip Carey is set to be named the next television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals on Bally Sports Midwest. He'll become the third Carey to broadcast in St. Louis. His grandfather, Harry Carey, was a Cardinals broadcaster. His father, Skip Carey, uh, was a St. Louis broadcaster, including doing uh, the St. Louis Hawks, and then now he moved with them to Atlanta. Wanted to get to one final baseball thing before we call it a day. Uh, The Angels released a statement today, and if you did not know, a while back, uh, the Angels had said, it was back in August, the Angels had announced that team owner Artie Moreno was officially putting together a formal process of exploring the sale of his team. He has owned the Angels since 03. He bought them from Disney for $180 million. That's quite the investment. I'm sure if he sold them, he's going to get better than a billion dollars for them. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite the investment. The team statement read, in part, During this process, it became clear that we have unfinished business and we feel we can make a positive impact on the future of the team and the fan experience. This offseason, we committed to a franchise record player payroll and still want to accomplish our goal of bringing a World Series championship back to our fans. We're excited about this next chapter of Angels Baseball. Uh, Then goes on to thank the people that were kind of spearheading the movement for him to be able to uh, for them to be able to talk to prospective owners. Rob Manfred issued a statement that said, quote, despite strong buyer interest in the Angels, Artie Moreno's love of the game is most important to him. I'm very pleased that the Moreno family has decided to continue to own the team. You may have heard a slight change in the tone of my voice as I said that. I um, First off, he's been a bad owner in terms of winning and losing, uh, in terms of creating revenue and being in that market and everything, he's been fine. Uh, But in terms of winning, they've had the best player in baseball for a long time, and Mike Trout haven't won anything. They had Albert Pujols for a while, didn't win anything, and it got to a point where they obviously uh, went their separate ways from Pujols. He has not won there and has not been a very good baseball operation, and there's been some some off-field incidents that have been pretty ugly 
that have gone into the legal system. So I mean, there's just been there's been a lot of stuff. So if you saw me right now, you would see me putting on my conspiracy theory hat. Yes, I have a conspiracy theory hat. I'm always good, always game for a good conspiracy theory. Here's what I think's going on. I think this is a money grab. And you could say, well, selling the team for a billion dollars, isn't that a money grab? Eh, yeah, it is. But you can do that and also grab even more money. At some point in the relatively near future, two years, five years, I can't think it'd be much more than 10 years. I'm thinking probably somewhere in the two to five year period. Major League Baseball is going to award two more expansion franchises. There's going to be two more Major League Baseball teams at some point in the relatively near future. Where those teams are going to be, who knows? I mean, they could be Portland, Nashville, Vegas, Montreal, Mexico City. Like, there's, there's a lot of places, a lot of places that, that they could end up in. Uh, but there's going to be two. And baseball's got a couple things they got to figure out first before they can worry about expansion. They got to figure out the Oakland A's and they got to figure out the Tampa Bay Rays. Is Oakland going to move to Vegas or are they going to stay in Oakland? Are the Rays going to get a new ballpark in the, in the Tampa area or is something else going to go down? They got to get those two teams settled and figure out what their future is going to be. And potentially if either of those teams move, if they move to a potential expansion target. Like I mentioned, Las Vegas. Oakland could easily move to Las Vegas. If Oakland stays put in Oakland, well, then Las Vegas becomes a franchise uh, target, potentially. Maybe it's Portland. Maybe it's Nashville. Maybe it's uh, um, maybe it's San Antonio. Maybe it's Montreal. Like there's a, I said, I'm, there's, and there's more. There's a lot of cities that could probably do a pretty solid job of hosting Major League Baseball, and it's, it's going to happen at some point in time. Here's where the money grab comes in. There is a huge expansion fee when you bring in a Major League Baseball team. When you create a new Major League Baseball team, the owners of that team, there is a huge expansion fee. And then that expansion fee is dispersed among all the Major League owners. So you can be a Major League owner. You can own the Angels. And you can just sit back and wait for this to happen. And it should happen at some point in the relatively near future. And you can take your windfall. That is the expansion fee. And then you can decide to sell the team. Then you can go try to make your billion dollars, maybe even more. I mean, franchise values are just going to continue to go up and up and up. So the longer you wait to sell, the more money you're going to make. And generally speaking, the value of franchises grow. It, it grows at a faster rate than inflation. So the longer you go, the more money you make. Call me a cynic. Call me a conspiracy theorist. When I see this, I think Artie Moreno sitting here going, man, if I just wait this thing out a little while, I can pocket an expansion fee and then I can get the heck out of this. That's my thoughts on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he he's never won a World Series as the owner. The last time the Angels won the World Series, they were owned by Disney. They were not owned by Moreno. So maybe it is 
He just wants to win a World Series before all is said and done. But uh, the cynic in me says, nah, that's not it. He just wants to pocket the expansion fees if they're going to be coming down the pike here relatively soon. All right, that is it for uh, this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much to uh, Jeff Kerr for joining us tomorrow. Lots of baseball. We'll have some baseball guests on. We'll be talking Hall of Fame as the announcement will be made on the uh, selection for um, if anybody is uh, selected for induction for the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Hopefully it's going to be Scott Rowland. It feels like it should be Scott Rowland, but all we can do is sit back and wait and see if that does indeed end up happening. All right, thanks so much for uh, being tuned in this evening, and we will talk to you again tomorrow night for another edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.